When we talk about worship, one of the first things that comes to mind is music. It is a privilege for me to be here this morning and, and to be able to just share a little bit of what I have learned through the years. Music is definitely a divisive subject when we talk about worship. But, uh, you know, uh, being a, a worship leader and a musician, I have to say that there are different styles of music and definitely there are preferences. And in my case, uh, I come from another culture where we use different, a different kind of music for sure. If I was going to stand up here and, and praise the Lord with that music, you would think I'm crazy. On the other hand, as a pastor, I'm challenged about helping the congregation to come and worship God. Because that's, our, that's the main goal of a, a worship leader, a worship team, is to provide with music that helps the church, helps the people of God to worship Him. But, you know, worship goes beyond music. Worship is a, a deep and vast subject. And by no means I pretend this morning to bring everything we can think of worship. But definitely I just hope that by going through some key passages, I can convey some of the general aspects of worship and to challenge us. God says in His Word many, many times that He wants us to draw near. He wants us to come to Him. He wants us to have a relationship with Him. Sometimes we add to the word worship other things. We add rituals, we add liturgy, we add ways of doing things. And then, well, in my church we do this, in my church we do this. These really make me worship. These really make me not worship. And my hope is that this morning the Lord is going to help us to go beyond that, go beyond the preferences. The word worship comes from the old English. And as you can tell, I'm not an English speaker. So really I'm talking about something that I really don't know. But, uh, but my guess is that most of you also don't know anything about Old English. Maybe some of you are English majors, but the word worship from the Old English means meritorious, worthiness, giving God the recognition He deserves, or giving a person. Because back in the time when the church was not as active as it is today, and the people didn't have the Word of God in their hands like they have it today, the word worship was used to give someone respect and is, was to call someone that was worthy or respectful. Because the Hebrew and the Greek terms, the Bible has been written or was written in Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. And everything comes from the Greek, you know? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I thought you had watched that movie, The Big Fat Wedding or whatever. <laughs> but anyway, a side note very quick. A Jehovah Witness came to my house I, I opened the door and I talked to them outside the house and, and he was a Greek man. And it was so funny because the first thing he said is, you know, everything comes from the Greek. And I said, like, oh, this is going to be fun. Um, <laughs> but in the, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, the most common use of the word worship is related to a posture of submission. It's related to an attitude of the heart. Like if the Lord was to show here right now, I'm sure that all of us will just kneel or bow down. And it's just because of who God is. It's not because we're giving Him something that He doesn't have. He already has it. We're just responding to what He has. So it's, it's an attitude. And that's how the word is used in the scripture. So, I'll try to summarize my thoughts in three main points. 
The first main point is, and you don't have any, really, any notes on your bulletin, but you're welcome to take notes if you want. The first point is, we need to make sure we know who we are worshiping. Because everybody has an object, or has something that they worship. When I was not a believer, I worshipped science. I'm an electronic engineer. I wanted to be an engineer in NASA. I wanted to be involved in the, you know, travels to the moon, to the space. I wanted to be part of that group of men. So I worship science. And God has, in His mercy and grace, has opened up my eyes and has shown me that He is what I'm called to worship. He's the one who deserves all I am. He created me. And one passage that people use very often when they talk about worship is in John chapter 4, verses 22 through 24. In John chapter 4, there is an encounter with Jesus with a Samaritan woman. So let me give you a, a little bit of a background. John says in verse 9, before the Lord is talking to a Samaritan woman, that the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And for us, that's probably something that is not clear, because we are not there, we don't understand the culture, but hopefully I'll be able to portray the picture here. There was a mutual hatred between Jews and Samaritans. This hostility was based on both race and religion. Um, After the Assyrian exile in 722 before Christ, the remaining Jews intermarried with Gentile colonies, and that was a no-no In God's law, he said, I want the Jews to remain to myself and remain together. Do not marry with other cultures. Do not do what they do. And that was a big thing for them. So these Jewish that were left after the exile, they married Gentiles. And then they form a hybrid worship of God with a different temple. And they even modified the Old Testament and they edited some things in the Old Testament. So the Jews uh, view these as a half-breed heretics. So this is huge. I mean, the Jews, for them, the Samaritans were heretics, were people that were not even worth looking at. A couple centuries earlier to this passage that Jesus is talking to a Samaritan woman, the Jews had destroyed the Samaritan temple. Because they hated each other. Then the Samaritans in return, they litter the Jewish temple with human bones. So they came and put bones. And basically that just defiled the temple for the Jews. That was a huge offense. So all these things were building up, building up to the point that when Jesus came, it was really bad. One side note I have here is that this hatred was so bad that the rabbis, the the teachers, thought... It was ritually defiling to touch any utensil handled by a Samaritan. And the word they use is sokrontai, which is related to the menstruant or the period of a woman. So these utensils were like so impure that they compared to this. And nothing wrong with you ladies, it's part of God's creation. But I know being a married man that sometimes it's not fun. Uh, it's, It's hard for you ladies. It's something you have to deal with. And, uh, well, this was so bad that they even compared this hostility with that. And listen to one of the Jewish prayers. I thank you that I was not born a Gentile, a slave, or a woman. So these guys were really out there. And then, every man who teaches his daughter the Torah is if he taught her promiscuity. The Torah was the law, was the, the books of the Bible. Let the words of the Torah be burned up. 
I mean, they added other stuff in their traditions. But let them not be delivered to a woman. Rabbis were forbidden to speak to any woman in public, even their own mothers or sisters. Samaritan women are regarded as ritually unclean from birth. So now that you have the picture, Jesus is talking to these Samaritan women. And, I mean, the apostles probably were saying, like, what in the world he's doing? Uh, this Jesus is crazy. But the Lord said to the Samaritan woman in, in verse 22, You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. The Lord Jesus is bringing to the attention of this woman that, yeah, she's trying to worship God, but she's worshiping a God that she doesn't know. And the Lord Jesus is confronting her with, with a God that he does know, he himself. And, you know, that's something that we need to be careful. Sometimes we're worshiping, worshiping the true God falsely. We think we're worshiping. We think, okay, if I kneel down, if I do this, if I do that, I'm worshiping God. And, and that's all sincere in your heart. But, you know, God is beyond the ritual. It's about an attitude of the heart. Another example is the Israelites in the Old Testament. They built this golden calf. And they worship it. They even call it Jehovah. In Exodus chapter 32, verses 5 and 6, they claim they were worshiping the Lord. When they were worshiping this golden calf. And, and the Lord was really mad at them. It brought judgment upon them. And the Lord killed all of them that day. In the New Testament, the Lord also warns against pleasing ourselves with false worship. Like Paul wrote to the Colossians that self-imposed worship is not true worship. Jesus warned against allowing traditions to dominate and put aside or diminish the word of God. The Lord Jesus in Matthew 15 says... Thus, you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. Because the Pharisees are talking to Jesus about different things. And the Lord is making a point like, you are putting your traditions above the word of God. He goes further and he uses a passage from Isaiah chapter 29. He said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. And again, this is, these are just thoughts, not pointing fingers to anyone, but these are just thoughts that we need to wrestle with. We need to go through and say, like, when I come to worship God, when I'm worshiping God by myself, I'm really doing something that is flowing from my heart, or is something that I'm doing as a, as a ritual, is something I learn and makes me feel good. Basically, the Lord was saying that the service to God needs to follow the teaching of the Bible. This follows the teaching of the word. The very nature of God leads us to worship the Father through Jesus by the Holy Spirit. Now think about that. The very essence of worship, the very essence of God himself, that's our worship, leads us to worship him, worship the Father through his son by the Holy Spirit. So the triune God, the Godhead, three in one. We need to worship the one and only omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient God. He's the one who reveals to us in three persons, and He created all things by Himself for Himself. Colossians 1, 16, 18 says, For by Him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. He is also head of the body, the church. That's us. 
And He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that He Himself will come to have first place in everything. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, 18. Great passage to remind ourselves who God is. Great passage to remember that He is the head of the church. He's the head of our homes. He's everything. Now the question for you this morning is, do you know Him in this way? When we watch that video, it just brings a lot of things in my heart. Like, I start building up this desire to just burst in praise and say, Blessed be the Lord. I mean, there are no words to describe who He is. Now, do you know Him that way? Do you feel every day of the week... Like you want to burst in praise, saying, God, you are great. Even in the midst of pain, even in the midst of trials, circumstances, do we take the time to think about who He is? Are we spending time with Him? When was the last time you have a date with Jesus? That you said, man, I'm a really busy person, but I need to put in my calendar, date with Jesus. Isn't that a foreign thought? Like, you don't have a date with Jesus. I mean... Like if he was going to come down and have a coffee with you. and Well, he may not be there physically, but he is there spiritually. Sometimes I joke when I'm driving. I always try. It doesn't happen all the time. But when I am reminded of these things, I keep my co-pilot seat empty. Because most of the time I'm talking to the Lord. saying, like, Lord, thank you for riding with me. Would you please guide me? And then I talk to him about the issues in my heart, the longing I have for things, the desire I have to honor him. I ask him for forgiveness. If, I, if somebody caught me uh, in the road and I was just about to say, oh, Lord, forgive me. Please bless that person. Protect them. Don't let them get into a car accident or anything. And give me a heart like yours. And then sometimes you could see me. You will see me talking and people will think like, this guy is crazy. Who is he talking to? But, uh, but I try to remind myself, these are practical things that we can do. Do we love the Savior like some of the people that we know love Him in the Bible? Like, what about the friends of Daniel? When they were just about to be thrown in the fire, in the furnace, because King Nebuchadnezzar said, if you don't bow before the idol I built, you're going to be thrown in the, in the fire. And what did they say? Shadrach, Mesach, and Abednego in Daniel chapter 3, verses 16 and 18. They replied to the king, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he doesn't do it, Let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. I mean, you're talking about guys with courage, determination. Why? Because they knew God. They spent time with God. They knew that God loved them. God was the only one that was worthy of worship. They were not afraid of dying for what they knew about God. That's something that we need to constantly remind ourselves. When we get to know God more and more, what is going to happen is that we're going to worship for who He is. We're not going to worship Him because of our feelings, how we feel that day, how life is going. Like, man, I don't feel like worshiping God today. My life is really upside down. 
man, my, my children are in pain. I cannot worship God. Oh, I'm so sick. I cannot worship God. Well, I want to challenge us a little bit on that because I have been there, been there, done that. And the challenge is if we know God, we are called to worship Him regardless of anything. What about Job chapter 1 verses 20 and 22? After losing everything, his possessions, his children, everything he had. Just imagine he lost his children. Just for you, for those of you who are parents, just imagine that. I mean, beyond losing his money, his possession, he lost his children. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head. And he fell to the ground and worshipped. I mean... You're talking about this guy. Like, if, if I was there, I'd say like, man, this guy is really committed to God. I, I don't know if I could do that. I mean, I'll be crying. I'll be saying like, why me? Why did you do this to me? Why, why is this happening? But Job fell down and worshipped. He was in pain. It was not like he was happy. Oh yeah, I lost everything. Let me worship God. He was in pain. He tore, tore his robe, but he felt and worshipped. And listen to what he said. Then he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Through all these, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. Think about the implications. I mean, talking about worshiping God all the time, even in the most difficult times. Last night, and this is just nothing compared to what Job went through. Last night, I'm already in bed with my wife, we're resting, and I'm thinking, before I went to bed, just thinking about today and praying that the Lord will help us to understand more about what it means to worship God. And my wife needed something from the pharmacy, and it was 12.30, and I just said like, oh my goodness, why didn't you tell me before? And she said, well, honey, I, I've been trying to just endure, but really this is, is killing me. And you're going to be gone tomorrow, and, and it's going to be hard for me. And, and I'm sorry, I, I know that this is not the best time to ask you for this. And then uh, I remember right there what I was going to teach about. And isn't God funny? God is funny. <laughs> he is funny. So like, Vladimir, you remember what you had been studying? You are called to worship me no matter what. So, right there, it hit me hard. And the first thing that came to mind was Ephesians chapter 5. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Isn't that a deep, profound statement for husbands? I mean, we are called to love our wives as Christ loved the church. And you know, as we do that, we are being obedient to God. And when we are being obedient to God, we are worshiping Him. As we worship Him, our attitude changes. Now, I was getting dressed... Getting ready. And I was thankful that I was there to provide for my wife. I was excited. I was able to go. I was thankful that there was a store that is 24-7. And I could find what she needed there. And I started praising God. Even though I know my wife was not feeling good. I said, thank you Lord for your provision for her. Thank you Lord for the challenge you're giving me as a husband. Here's for you husbands. Like in 1995. I was in a. Promise Keepers Conference, and I learned something, and I made a promise I have kept through the years, most of the time. And here it is. You wake up in the morning, 
And before you leave home, if you have to go, the first thing you do in the morning is you thank God, you worship Him, and then you go to your wife, whether she's asleep or she's waking up or whatever, whatever she is, and you said, you are the most wonderful wife, the most beautiful woman God could have for me. You are everything I needed on this earth, and I love you. I love you. And you know, sometimes she goes like, I'm not a great wife. Don't remember last night? I blew it. I said, no, stop. You are a great wife. You know why? Because in Psalm 139, God says, I created you in your mother's womb, fearfully and wonderfully. And you know what, Monica? If you are wonderful to God, if He has beautiful thoughts for you, if He loves you in the way He does, who am I to say you are not? So and then, even sometimes I need to do that by faith, because may, I may not feel like it. Man, she heard me last night. This morning she's going to, I'm going to get after her. No, I said, Lord, I want to worship you this morning. Husband loves your wives as Christ loved the church. That means sacrificial love. So that's one thing in my life where I find myself all the time struggling in my worship to God. Second point, whether we worship personally or in the assembly, He is the end. He, he's not the means to an end. And this is huge too. Think about this. Sometimes we come to church with an attitude of consumer. Okay, so I'm going to church. I'm not feeling good, but I know God is going to, God will, God is going to give me, God is going to, then I think we need to stop and say, wait a second. The reason I come to meet with my brothers and sisters is that we, as the body of Christ, can worship Him corporately. It's not for God to do me a favor this morning. It's like sometimes I have this picture, like I'm leading worship. And sometimes I have thought like, will I ever see a man in the congregation that will be like this? Make me worship. I, I haven't seen anybody like that, but it's like a fear. I don't know, it's funny. So like, but then I said, well, wait a second, that's not my, that's not my focus. My focus is God. I worship Him. And as He empowers me and helps me and I worship, I'm just going to be there to encourage others to worship God. You know, I was sharing with the worship team this morning that sometimes we are called worship leader, worship team. But you know what? We are just lead worshipers. We're just worshipers like you. It's just that we are on the stage. We are in the front. We have instruments. But we are lead worshipers. We are called to be worshipers ourselves. We are not the ones who got it all figured out. We come in the morning here at 8 a.m., 7 a.m., whatever the time is for each church. And we're struggling with life. We need to get it right with God. We need to pray. I encourage my worship team to pray throughout the week. You know, when we come to worship God, we need to prepare ahead. And that's where personal, intimate worship in our daily lives plays a huge role in this. We need to make sure that we come ready on Sundays. We don't come like Saturday night, I just, I'm doing whatever, and then Sunday, God is going to fix me. 
No. You know, Saturday night should be a culmination to start the first day of the week with heart that is overflowing of a desire to worship God. In our daily relationship with the Savior and nobody else but ourselves, we need to do something about that. Some will even go to the extent of coming to church and just expect that the leadership is going to fix their lives. So it's not only that I expect God to fix me, but, well, the pastors are supposed to do something about this. And, you know, the pastors are just men like us. They have their own struggles. And yes, they have been appointed by God to lead His sheep here. But remember in Colossians, it says that Christ is the head of everything. So the pastors even, they're under the ruling of Christ. So they themselves are seeking God. And we are called to pray for them. Because they need our prayers. Because that's one of the main things they do. They pray for us. They teach the word of God. And they encourage us to have a life that worships God daily. So pray for your pastors. Don't expect them to fix your life. And I'm not saying this... I don't know anything about your congregation, really. Really, I, I'm out of touch. That's why I have a little bit of freedom to come and say these things. Because I really don't know, honestly. But I just want to challenge you that if you have ever had that thought, instead of that, just say, I need to pray for my pastor today. Ask that the Lord will give him a heart of worship first and most of all. And that he will continue to grow and, and lead me in the way God wants us to be led. That should be our prayer. Now, when we come to the congregation, one of the things that we do is we have music. And music definitely is powerful, but it's also, it can hinder somebody's worship. There's a temptation to turn worship into an entertainment. You come and sit down and you say like, okay, so let's see what the worship team has today. Do they have a new song? Is there anybody going to do a solo? I mean, is this going to sound good? Can I bring my friends and brag about our worship team? And again, I'm not saying that's what any of you are going through. I'm talking in general. Even the smallest thought like, man, I hope they don't do that song. <laughs> it will kill me if they do that song again. <laughs> even, even if you think like that, you say, Lord, give me a heart of worship. Help me to worship you. You know... The importance of music is not the style itself, it's the message that carries. If we were in Africa, worshipping with the Africans, they will have all these drums and dances. We'll think like, man, these guys are jogging, what are they doing? They're crazy. But you know, the words they're singing are centered in the Lord. Are centered in who Christ is. Are centered in the work of atonement. In his death and his resurrection. The greatest message we can give to anyone. Are centered in the greatness and power of God. How great he is. So music is just something that helps us to bring the word of God. A message in our hearts to go forth even to another level. Music is going to produce an emotion. For some of you, it's going to be like, I cannot stand this. Um, I better go out and wait until the music is over. Or another thought is, I'm going to come late. So after all the music is done, just to hear the word of God. 
Yeah, the Word of God is the main thing we do on our gathering that centers our hearts and our worship in God. Help us to understand who He is. So it calls us to worship Him. It calls us to live a life that is worthy of Him. But music is just something we use to bring our hearts and our minds as we're singing and we're meditating on these words He's bringing us to that point that we are hunger to hear what God has for us this morning. Many Christians seem to have a measure of prejudice against corporate worship as a priority. They come late. They said, oh, they're just doing music. That's okay. I can miss that. I worship with my CD in my car. No, you're missing the point. We gather together as an assembly to worship God together. There is something about corporate worship in God's heart. It is commanded in the scriptures. It says in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25, it says, Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. See, there is a sense of, man, I want to be with my brothers and sisters. I want to worship God And I'm expecting Him to come back one day. And that should be a motivation to worship Him and be ready. Think about the implications. When we die, we're going to be in the presence of God forever. And what do you think we're going to be doing? I don't know exactly. But I know from the scripture it says that we're going to be before Him in His presence. And chances are that I'm going to be just worshiping. Maybe the Lord is going to say, okay, I have something for you. I need you to do this. Who knows what he has beyond what we know. But we know for sure that we're going to be with him for eternity. Psalm 111 verse 1 says, Praise the Lord. I will exalt the Lord with all my heart in the council of the upright and in the assembly. Clearly God wants people to gather as congregations expressing That they are the body of Christ as they worship Him with one another. Christianity is a religion in which individuals become an integral part of the body of Christ. They're just showing who Christ is through the interaction and the connection of being members one another of the same body with Christ as the head. We are not just an association of individuals. We are not just a club. But we are organically connected to one another. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 1. Just go back to those passages and read. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 1. We express that we are the body of Christ, especially when we meet God together in public worship. You know, Paul talks about this and he said, your worship needs to be in order. You don't want chaos to reign in your worship. Because if somebody comes in and they don't know the Lord, they're going to think you're crazy. But if somebody comes in and they see you worshiping the one and true God with all your heart, they will have no other thing to do either to walk away from God or say, I want to know this God. I want to know Him. What's going on here? Because you know what? Remember that we are temples of the Holy Spirit. We no longer have like a temple where God dwells, but He's dwelling in each of us. So when we come and worship, we are an expression of Him. And as we worship Him, He says that He inhabits the praises of His people. And praising God is part of our worship. It's just an expression of worship that is exaltation. 
His declaration is bringing God His greatness. And people, if they come and they hear that, they will be affected by that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Do you not know that you, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. So we don't come here to fulfill or satisfy a need. We come here to worship God. Now, we need to say that in this process, God is going to meet us. That's for sure. He is in our hearts, but we are going to, we're going to experience something that goes beyond what we probably think we're going to experience. When we come and we get together as the body of Christ, there's something that is going to happen. We should have that expectation every time. As we are eager and we long to come and worship God together, we should also know that He's going to respond. He's going to move. We have seen many things happen when people worship God. And we don't know what could happen in our church. But you can be certain that something is going to happen. Whether we are doing great in our lives or struggling, whether we have plenty or we are in need, healthy or sick, we come and worship God wholeheartedly because of who He is. And we know that in His presence, we will find our joy. Church, life is miserable when our eyes are in ourselves. Because we don't have what it takes. We're not doing things the best we can. Or we're not doing them in the right way. Or we think we are and the results we get are not a reflection of what we thought we were doing. So when you put your eyes on yourself, you're going to be always dissatisfied. Think about selfish people you know. They're always the most miserable. They're always longing for something. And all they need is the Lord. So taking the eyes of self and the circumstances and worshiping God is equal to joy. True joy. We just put that aside and say, Lord, you have said that your yoke is easy. I'm laying down my burdens before you. And I come to worship you. Please help me to worship you. My wife is sick. My children are not doing well. My teenagers are rebelling against my authority. My parents are going through a tough situation. My pastors are not listening to me. Pastors are praying for those who are not responding in the right way. Everybody is in some place in this life, in ministry, in life, in itself. And what I'm saying is that we need to stop and say, Lord, I know you are... A great God, you are almighty. You know exactly what is happening. I want to worship you. Help me to make a pause. Just pause the day and worship you. You know, prayer is a great tool. Prayer is not necessarily that we come and we bring all our requests. Even though in Philippians it says, just be anxious for nothing. But give thanks in everything. Bringing your requests to God with thanksgiving it also says in the scriptures pray without ceasing so prayer is a great tool the ultimate prayer is the the lord's prayer and if you think about it he starts by worshiping god for who he is our heavenly father you know the, the prayer so go back and read that 
And think about how the Lord approached this. He started worshiping God. So he also talks about needs. He says, please give us our daily bread. But that was towards the end. But the first thing he does is he acknowledges who God is. He worships God. And you know what? When we do that, we get in the right mindset. And then our prayers, even when we are asking for something we need, are going to be centered in the character, the goodness, the holiness, the power of God. Another way is, there is this little book called Valley of Vision. And it has a lot of prayers from people back from the 1600s. And I have read some. Like here's one about worship. Glorious God, it is the flame of my life to worship Thee. The crown and glory of my soul to adore Thee. Heavenly pleasure to approach Thee. Give me power by the Spirit to help me worship now. That I may forget the world, be brought into fullness of life, be refreshed, comforted, blessed. Give me knowledge of thy goodness, that I might not be overawed by thy greatness. Give me Jesus, Son of Man, Son of God, that I might not be terrified, but be drawn near with filial love, with holy boldness. He is my mediator, brother, interpreter, branch. Days man, lamb, him I glorify, in him I am set on high. I mean, we're not the only ones that have gone through this. I mean, there are people before us that have gone through this, and God has met them. And the ultimate book is the Bible. You know, we don't have any overheads today. And besides not having enough time to prepare everything, I thought, well, sometimes the churches nowadays are forgetting to bring their Bibles. They're even forgetting where the chapters are. We're getting so used to have everything in the overhead that we are not using this tool God has given us. And you know, we're communicating to our children something. That this is not as valuable as we say it is. And I'm not trying to bring any guilt trip on anyone. Hear me on this. I'm just encouraging us. I'm just challenging us. I'm the first one also that leaves my Bible in my car because I don't want to forget it. And then next week go to the lost and found to see the Bible is there. How about that for a heart that wants to worship God? I forget the Bible. The challenge is we need to give an example to our children that this is a book that we lead our lives because it's the, the, the word of the living God. Is a, is, is a word where we make notes, we put, we mark. Is the place where we go and meet God, is the place where we get to know God, is the place that helps us to worship God. So I want to encourage you, carry your Bible. That will send a message to your children. Write notes on your Bible. And I'm not saying it's wrong, it is wrong to have other tools to use overheads. I'm not saying that you should not write notes on your on your bulletin, please do. But then, don't put this away and forget about it. Just take the time at home and say like, okay, so what did the Lord teach me today? Let me go to the scriptures and let, let me mark my Bible. Somebody said very well once, and you have heard this before. Show me a Bible and you will show me a man's heart. And again, don't feel guilty about anything. God is sovereign. His grace is sufficient. As Pastor Dan Hardy was saying... In his prayer. He is everything we need. But I just want to encourage you to do these things. 
Psalm 138 says, I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. Before the gods, I will sing your praise. I will bow down toward your holy temple. And I will praise your name for your love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. Your word. You know, I have a hard time doing this. Lord, forgive me. Even at home, my girls were given a little Bible. And they're stepping over and said, no, 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 no. You don't step on the Word of God. The Word of God is, is close to my heart. And again, we're not now being Bible idolaters. Because then you can go to the extent that then, instead of worshiping God, you're worshiping the book. And hear me on this. It's difficult to disconnect God from this book. Here is His heart. So as I worship God, this should be close to my heart. But the object of my worship is not the book itself, it's the author of the book, is God. So then, I will encourage you, when you are doing that, just teach your children the importance of this book. Don't throw it, don't let it be on the floor, and piles of books are on the top. Even if you could see me in my car, I will go through a lot of pain sometimes, when my Bible is in the back, and I'm coming with something so big, and I need to put it on the top. I said, no. And I just... Put this aside, I moved the Bible and said, Lord, I regard you as the most important thing in my life. And this is, a, this is an external expression of my worship. So, and I put the Bible in some place else, and then I put the stuff on top of the back of the truck. But the Bible, the Word of God, is, is precious to me. It's the Word of the living God. Last point, as we close. We worship Him in spirit and truth. And that's going back to the passage in John chapter 4. The Lord says to the Samaritan woman, But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be His worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. Now, it's interesting. Notice that the Lord Jesus didn't say, God seeks worship. Do you catch that? He didn't say, God seeks worship. No, he says, he seeks worshipers. Isn't it that interesting? Like, God is interested in our hearts. He's interested in us, not in what we do. So, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. How do we worship? How do we grow as, as worshipers? And what does this mean, to worship in spirit and truth? Well, the real worship comes from the spirit within, our spirit, is based on the true views of God. That's why it's important to know who God is. That's why it's important to meditate on His Word. That's why it's important to spend time with Him in prayer. That's why it's important to come together and worship together. That's why it's important to pray for our pastors and teachers and ask the Lord to give them the words we need to hear every week. So we will be encouraged to worship God in the way He is. We'll know the truth about God. We'll then we'll be on fire to worship Him from our spirit within. Worship must have... A heart and worship must have a head. So we don't worship God with empty words, with things that make us feel good. We worship God with the Word of God. So we need our head to be engaged, but we need our heart to be engaged. So that's the truth that the Lord Jesus is talking about is who He is through His Word, through the revelation of His Word. We worship Him in a spirit from within and based on 
the right view of who he is. Worship must engage your emotions and worship must engage your thought. This is not about feeling good. Oh, I like this music. Na, 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 na. Oh, that's made me happy. Do, 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 do. And then I'm not thinking, well, why am I doing this? What's the object of this? My worship is God. It needs to be a combination of things. It needs to be emotional. And for some people, emotional will be just being like this. For some others, it will be like this. Some people may choose to cry out loud, shout for joy. Some people may choose to be quiet. Whatever it is, God wired you. God created you. We're not going to force anything into you. But definitely there has to be an emotion. But there has to be a head. Truth without emotion produces dead orthodoxy. And church full of honest spiritual fighters. Yeah, we're so committed to the truth that is in the Bible, but there's no heart. There's no emotion. Emotion without truth produces empty frenzy and cultivates flaky people who reject the discipline of rigorous thought. So neither extreme is good, folks. We need to be people that worship God in spirit and truth, meaning we engage our hearts, we engage our minds. True worship comes from people who are deeply emotional and who love deep and sound doctrine. And I'm so thankful to the pastors of this church and the pastors of the network. They're committed to bring the word of God every week. They're not talking about how they feel, their da-da-da-da, my experiences. They're bringing the word. And of course, they're going to use examples in their lives to make a point. But you know, their main focus is the word. So to close, how do we grow deeper in our relationship with God? Well, forgiven as the Lord has forgiven us. Forgiveness, we need to forgive one another. That's part of worshiping God. We need to pray. Not necessarily bringing requests, but being intimate with the Lord. Prayer is not necessarily bringing a laundry list, but it's just conversation with God. Confessing and moving away from sin. That's huge. We will not feel confident to worship God if we know something is not right in our lives. So please, seek your pastors, seek your fellow believers. Confess your sin one another. We are people in process. We have not arrived yet. We need others. That's why we have small groups. You have your community groups. That's a place where you can grow in intimacy with a smaller group. And then maybe from those groups, you as men and, and women, you meet in an even more intimate setting. But we need to do that. Being obedient to the Lord in all we do. That's a way to grow in worship. Honoring God in every situation, putting others above ourselves. Friends, co-workers, employers. We need to... Ask the Lord to make us humble. Be people of humility. Engage our world. And excelling in our stewardship. The time and treasures. The talents we have. We need to bring those before the Lord and worship Him. As we put those at His feet. And we offer those for His glory. We said, Lord, use me for your glory. I'm here. Use me. I want to worship you. I want to make my life count for your glory. Participating in our worship celebrations is another way to grow in your worship. Are we preparing our hearts before Sunday? Are we thinking with expectation about Sunday, saying like, I cannot wait to be with all God's people and praise Him together. Is that something we are doing? If not, I will encourage you to do that. 
Experience in biblical community. Again, that goes back to your community groups. Please, if you are not plugged into one of those, please do so. So, next time when we think about worshiping God, our time should not be consumed by thoughts about our preference of music or styles of worship. Or having an attitude of a consumer, like give me, give me, give me. But we should come as people need to be driven by a passionate love and undivided desire to please God. To worship Him in spirit and truth. Because God is a consuming fire. He says that in the book of Exodus. And again in the book of Hebrews. So he's talking about, he's not somebody we take lightly, folks. He is the God of the universe. Think about the video, all the things we, we saw about who God is. Psalm 95, verse 6 and 7 says, Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. So let's pray as the worship team makes their way up. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you for your mercy and your grace in this day. Lord, we want to worship you with all our hearts. We want to give you our lives as an offering sacrifice, Lord. And we just ask that you will help us as we go through this life to be people who worship you, Lord, in spirit and truth. People that put everything aside and we come down to, to worship Just think about you. Just fill their hearts and their minds with who you are. And we just together give you glory and honor. We love you and we thank you for this time. And we ask for your mercies and your grace in our lives. In the name of Jesus. Amen.